0: It's a pleasure to connect with you again on the athalva Forum. We have seen each other in nearly one month now.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. One month, right? Eh? Or maybe two. Yeah. February. Feb, Feb. yeah. yeah. So. February when we met each other briefly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's going on? Yeah? Nothing. Much.
0: I'm I've been um hmm with grilling you about Chanakya.
1: <laughs> okay, it's not grilling, it's
0: a <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know, I mean, I'm of course familiar with him because of the serial, because of conversation, hmm. random hmm. quotes, hmm. Uh, because of references, because of that great Amit Shah photograph with Chanakya behind him, which has become...
1: Yeah, yeah, iconic, no?
0: It's iconic really it's the actual history of this, of this era totally um, mm. so i'm i'm really curious sir. i know there are a lot of people like that about me who are mm. like I'm sorry who mm. are not necessarily that well versed with the mm. mm. man and i was hoping that through this conversation uh, we will be able to discover some more things about him and mm. understand his time his era his philosophy mm. and uh, the relevance of it in this present day okay Let's start. So my first question really is, uh, of course, we are a democracy. Mm-hmm. We were not in, in the time that Chanakya lived and was alive. Mm-hmm. We a democracy in the sense that we understand it today. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, someone like him would have uh, looked at governments or the structure of democracy as a positive thing, Or would he have been more towards the benevolent dictator or the benevolent authoritarian sort of side of the spectrum?
1: Okay. You want a long answer for this or a short answer? Short, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the concept of democracy is, you know, basically uh, where people get to be their own rulers. Fundamentally, that's what democracy is. Like, you know, you elect your neighbor, you elect somebody based on... His or her pitch, so to say, uh, to use the commercial term. Uh, key, what, how best? What are the best ideas that uh, you resonate with that he or she brings to the table? So this is basically uh, uh, whatever voting. That is voting, and that's the fundamental cornerstone of democracy. Now, uh, when you talk about uh, uh, this kind of a system, whether it existed during Kyanakya's time, which is roughly around uh, 300 and. Uh, 300 BC onwards. So, uh, you are essentially retrofitting something uh, 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 a recent, a modern concept. I mean, the notion of democracy, both in theory and practice, is not older than uh, 500 years or 600 years at the most. So, and even it began in fits and starts, uh, because older systems were, uh, had a lot of uh, uh, drawbacks, you know, some really evil drawbacks. So, it's a process of evolution of essentially how people come together and govern them. So if you uh, retrofit this one back to them, you will obviously have some problems, but uh, there are some commonalities uh, uh, in the notion, both in theory and practice, of democracy as we understand it today. uh, In the sense that you had uh, the system of voting in an assembly, you had something called uh, Shireni and sabha which means uh, uh, you know guilds uh, basically uh, you can roughly you know in uh, using modern terminology uh, think how a rajya sabha member is elected you know there's a proportional kind of calculation that happens where even uh, all mlas have a vote and there's some kind of a formula that is evolved uh, which finally decides who gets to be a Sabha member. So you had some system, a similar system like that, not exactly the same thing. You had uh, concepts of voting, for example, uh, you would have uh, either small coins or some kind of wooden, uh, 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 what do you call, uh, a round-shaped thing, like uh, which was painted in different colors, uh, green, red, yellow, whatever. And if a decision had to be taken collectively, uh, the... Color of the stone or a, a wooden thing, billet or something, uh, whichever was the highest, that decision would go in that favor. So you had all these kinds yes. of systems. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stone, something a stone, or a stone or wooden billet or something. So right. this system also existed. Then you had the sabhas, which means assembly. And decision making was collected. And this is brought out very beautifully when you, uh, you I'm sure you've seen the uh, Durdashan serial in uh, Chanakya. Where all all these uh, uh, methods of, you know, assemblies were there and decision was made collectively, uh, although uh, you had something called a Samrat. When you say Samrat, it's not, uh, in Chanakya's time at least, it was not a monarchy in the sense that we understand it over a period of time. So this dynastical hierarchy and this dynastic succession was a much later development. So, does this kind of uh, answer your question, or have I rambled too much?
0: No, it does. In fact, it's fascinating to think that even in that era, Hmm. we had a situation where uh, there was a system of voting.
1: Hmm. Uh, We don't know for sure, or do we know? This is something. Answer. No, it, do. We do know, we do know because it's not just uh, uh, Kautilya's Arthashastra which mentions this. Uh, you have references to uh, references to this in various uh, uh Rajashastra uh, texts on Rajashastra, that is statecraft and politics. And if you want a uh, you know a very good overview of this, uh, you can read a beautiful book called Hindu Polity by K.P. Jayaswal. Okay. Yeah. So, that mentions all these, you know, system of uh, uh, both commercial guilds, military guilds, and traveling guilds, and something called sabha and samiti. Now, when you look at the Hindi equivalents or the uh, equivalents in Bharatiya Bhasha, for all these terms, you have samiti, you have sabha, you have Vidhan sabha, right? Lok sabha, Raja sabha, Vidhan sabha. All these terms, why are they used? They are technical terms. And they have a history of more than uh, of at least three thousand three thousand five hundred years. I can't hear you. Uh, I think you need to take off the. Can you hear me now? Uh, I can't hear you at all.
0: Can you hear me now?
1: Ah, uh, now yeah, I can.
0: Yeah, okay, great. So the headphones aren't working. Okay. <laughs> Just my, my my question is, you know, this there is a process of voting. Mm-hmm. It's but you're but but you're. It's still not a democracy, really. You know, there is some level of uh, democratic functioning and elected representation, but it's hmm. not a democracy as we know it. As, as we know, yeah. Chanakya view this?
1: No, as we know it, as we uh, mod, that's what I told you. Uh, the modern notion of democracy, you really can't, you know, uh, retrofit it and uh, make a hypothetical case on how Chanakya would view it. Okay, hmm. because. Let me give you a historical uh, illustration to kind of uh, uh, get, get to this point in a little more detail. Uh, you are familiar with the term Janapadas, right? The nearest English equivalent to Janapadas are republics. So, you had 16 republics, independent republics, which had well-defined borders, which had their own system of governments, like uh, what you can call today, I'll, I'll give a random example of panchayat. Now, in the same state, you might have, say, 5,000 different panchayats, which means a panchayat for each village, which, although they are structurally the same, one panchayat will not function exactly the same as the other, because they are highly localized, there are uh, specific rules and systems based on the village they they are located in. Right. So you can think of these Mahajanapadas or republics in that sense. Hmm. And they were independent. I don't want to use the word nation-state. See, this terminological uh, confusion, I don't want to get into because it kind of uh, blurs the clarity. So, but you can think of them as uh, loosely federated republics, which had their own uh, systems of governance, which were unique to each other, but which also had shared some common characteristics, what you call best practices. And then uh, they also had their own uh, military. So, uh, to that extent, yes. And uh, these republics were essentially vote-based. There was no hierarchical succession. There, there were no dynastic succession. If, if that is what you mean by saying, uh, you know, uh, whether they had democracy in the sense that we understand it. Yes, some of them had dynastic succession, some didn't have.
0: So they owed allegiance then to the Mauryan
1: Empire, but they had this. No, 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 no. What I'm talking, what I'm talking about is pre-Mauryan Empire. Oh, you're talking about pre-Maurya, pre-Mauryan. Pre-Mauryan okay? Empire. is Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is pre-Mauryan Empire. So uh, just to give a historical, con- uh, you know, context to this, Chanakya, when he saw why uh, Alexander was able to, you know, succeed so well. Mm-hmm. In India, and let's not be under any illusion that Alexander invaded India. No, it was just a raid, and nobody even remembers that invasion, so to say. At the most, how far did he get? He didn't even get as far as Magadha, that is Bihar, mm-hmm. right? All maximum his impact was in the northwestern India, which we have lost today. And yeah, Gilgit, Gil- Gil- baltistan Gandhara, all these places yeah. beyond that he couldn't get. Maximum, he was walking on the doors of Punjab. That is also Northwestern India, even today. Yeah. So, hmm. uh, the point is, when Chalikya saw uh, the reasons for the defeat, he he understood that all these Mahajanapadas or republics, they were disunited. Hmm. So, he said, you know, he was so far-sighted that he said, look, only... By you know bringing them all together under a very powerful centralized monarchy, which also allows them to retain their age-old way of life, their traditions, their whatever social customs.
0: Some element but,
1: of autonomy. Some element, yeah, lot of element of uh, autonomy, except the military. So okay. They, uh, except the military. Rest they were free to do you know carry on their life as before. So, even during the Mauryan Empire, the Janapadas were in existence, but under the Mauryan monarch. Does that answer? Which brings, me, yes, which brings
0: me to my next question, which is really about the, the bureaucratic establishment, the civil administration during this time, because mm. you would have needed that was effective, powerful, mm. uh, and, uh, you know, but to coordinate between these various mm-hmm. autonomous regions, so to speak, Hmm. Uh, under the Mauryan Empire. What was Chanakya's
1: role in ensuring that took place? Oh yeah, Uh, he—see, because—I mean, mean, you have to give the—give it to the man's uh, foresightedness, yeah. Uh, When he saw what he realized that it was not merely enough to have this overarching central uh, empire, but he also saw that it needed a similarly strong uh, uh, administration uh, which was both centralized and decentralized and which had mutual checks and balances. Now I am not sure. I think you must have read Arthashastra, right? Are you putting me on the spot? No, I'm not, I'm not. It's just a, it's just a question, it's a conversation. <laughs> no, I'm not. I am not. No, no, yeah, okay. It so, is on my reading list. Okay, yeah. But Sandeep
0: okay. depends on Firing you are during this
1: conversation. I will get to it or not. <laughs> no, okay. So, so, uh, the Arthashastra, I think, is one of the earliest manuals on how to organize, structure, and uh, carry out uh, an effective bureaucracy. There is almost a department for every single thing, and uh, some critics, modern critics, who read Arthashastra will say that, you know, this is a maze of red tape. So, right yeah so there was a ministry for forests and then there was internal sub ministry for looking after elephant only forest there were officials uh, who looked at uh, you know things like getting regular uh, forest produce from what we call as tribal communities it could be honey it could be ivory it could be various medicinal plants shrubs herbs so you had sub departments for that then we're all familiar with his uh, spy system. I don't need to kind of uh, elaborate on that. Mm-hmm. Then, and then you had a highly regulated system of what we today call prostitution. Mm. It had its own separate quarters. Which was, so was it legalized? Or it, was com- it was completely legalized. It was completely legalized. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't want to use this uh, analogy, but to make things clearer, it, it was like you go out to a restaurant and eat. So, it's like that. You go to that place.
0: And what was the social status of uh, women who kind of provided this service, so to speak? Okay, They
1: were were different gradations of uh, uh, prostitutes. Uh, I'm not using the word in a pejorative sense because it never had a pejorative uh, uh, meaning in those days. That you had ganikas, then uh, uh, you had... uh, Nagarvadu, for example, you are familiar with that. So these are all very, very, uh, I mean, the words itself convey a very respectful, a kind of a, a dignified meaning to them. Hmm. So it was a respectable and widely recognized profession, and it was not frowned upon because, it, uh, because it, they realized that it met a certain need right. in the society. So whether it's bad, good, whatever, that's uh, a separate debate. But it, uh, they had a highly regulated system for this. Then you also had a separate uh, 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 place for gamblers uh, in the city, in the outskirts of city, whatever. There are detailed rules for where and how these things should be structured. And all of these so-called uh, illegal, immoral activities uh, had a separate ministry and a separate minister to oversee them It had a separate police who were well-versed with what happens there. And they were also manned by and infiltrated by the spies of the state. Because, yeah, I mean, we are familiar with it, no? Most of the state secrets are sold in all countries uh, due to honey trapping. And I was just going to say honey trap. So, (laughs) Harika came up with the honey trap. Yeah, yeah. So, honey trapping, gambling, you know, you are desperate, you lose money. All kinds of people come there, no? Ministers, they gamble there, so so they were highly regulated, and reports went out each evening to uh, uh, the higher authorities. Then you had separate uh, ministries for highways, and you had different categories of highways, like uh, uh, Ghantapata, Mahapata, like different highways. Like today, you can uh, take an analogy that national highways and state highways and village roads, you know, connecting roads, arterial roads. So you have separate uh, divisions like that. It's a beautiful, uh, you know, manual for how to conduct civil administration, both military and civil. I,
0: I find this fascinating because, like I said, you know, I've not read the Arshastra, but what when you're speaking of it, mm. it's something that's completely relatable to me as somebody who is alive in 2040. Mm. You know, it sound very uh, historic or alien or anything like that. Yeah. It, that's, I think, fascinating, you know
1: yeah then you had ministries on how to build forts and where to build forts
0: right so that would be like your defense infrastructure defense infrastructure so. and yeah. things of that nature. but we've talked about the so called debauchery side. Hmm. What about the spiritual side you know what was there any room for spirituality was there a state religion was it was it kind of uh, promoted again uh, you know uh, in view of other faiths what was the Uh, What was the status of Islam, Christianity? Had that activity started? All of those things. What what was it like at that time?
1: Fantastic question. Except that uh, uh, Islam came more than two thousand years after Chanakya's death. So, so yeah, yeah, that that was not even—it's not even the realm of the uh, question. Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as a state religion was concerned, India was not introduced to an alien faith beyond her borders.
0: Mm, mm, mm.
1: Whatever alien faiths, because even Alexander, when he came here, that was a pre Christian world, or rather a pre Abrahamic world. Right? So there's nothing like a state religion as such. But as long as human beings are there, there are divisions, you can't escape from it. Yeah. Right? So, so what were the divisions at that yeah, time? You had, you had, as as had been... no, no, you had different sects, okay? And by the time uh, 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 Buddhism had become uh, ascendant during Kautilya's time, and uh, Buddha big they were also, there was, there was no differentiation that, key, okay, because you see, uh, like I said before, there was no single monarch who had affiliation to a particular religion. Right. You got it? So there's no question of state patronage to any one religion, and pretty much people were free to follow whoever they wanted, you know, uh, live however they wanted.
0: here's my question: like in the Western Western civilizations, mm-hmm. when monarchs, so you look at the uh, in England, for example, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the whole thing with the royal family and the Church of England, mm-hmm. and at some point, you know, you, they had to split away from the larger Catholic faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kind of Established the monarchy in England, mm-hmm. and uh, the authority of uh, the authority to rule mm-hmm. British monarchs mm-hmm. came from being guardians of the Anglican Church, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. In our context, you're essentially saying that you know there was no such God ordained or sanctioned blessing.
1: Absolutely, to... absolutely. So it came from yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, fundamentally, this is also an ex- excellent question because he you look at uh, what are known as Abrahamic religions, okay? Everything flows from the religion. Mm -hmm. The laws, the social customs, practices, uh, you know, civil interactions, marriage, inheritance, widowhood, whatever, divorce, everything comes from a single book, right? So it could be the Christian holy book or uh, later in Islam from the Quran and the Hadith. However, we had a separate uh, uh, what was called demarcation like keep each thing in its own place and a place for everything right so you could not allow some, you know the dictates of some uh, sect to prevail upon civil laws
0: and manu came later
1: as well right manu there came much before manu came much is. before manu came much much before much before. But let's not get into that because it's going, only going to uh, put you in more confusion. Okay. So the point is uh, what you understand as religion or religious states hmm. was completely separate from what is known as civil laws and criminal laws. So these laws came from dharma shastras. The king would rule not based on what Shiva said or Vishnu said or what some Tirthankar said or some Buddhist monk said, he won't rule by that. He would rule and dispense justice and give punishment based on what was written in the Dharma Shastras.
0: That kind of became the
1: secular book of that era? If you want to use that word secular, yes. I know you don't like it, but... (laughs) No, I mean, it causes unnecessary confusion for a topic which doesn't apply. Okay. That's all.
0: It was the book that was kind of applicable
1: across the book? Yeah, Dharma Shastras. Yeah. And 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 not even across the board, actually. Uh, If you look at uh, Dharma Shastra texts, right, Uh, you have literally thousands of them. And if you compile all of them, uh, in terms of the number of printed pages, they come up to 70 lakhs. My God. Okay. So, and not all Dharma Shastras were uh, applicable universally. Like what was known as Dharma, what was regarded as Dharma in, say, Haryana, would not be applicable in what is known as uh, some uh, what is known as dharmashastra in practice in Maharashtra. Right? Incredible diversity. So really. uh, what are known as Deshachara and Kulachara. So Desha means those customs and practices and traditions which are specific to a particular locality, like Haryana
0: hmm, hmm,
1: hmm. or Karnataka. Kulachara is that which comes to you as a family inheritance. As a kul. As as a kul. Yes. These two were the touchstones for deciding, you know, what constituted dharma in your daily life, in practice. Now, inheritance law would be completely different for, say, a kais and for a (laughs) brahmin, And everything was documented meticulously, which is why we had these 70 lakh pages of these dharma shastras.
0: As you, what I also recall of what I studied in school, actually, of the Mauryan Empire, there was a lot of building of temples and architecture from that period. Hmm. So it was sponsored or facilitated or received the patronage of the emperor. And
1: was as far as I am aware of it, uh, yeah. uh, there's no substantial temple building activity during the Mauryan periods. But I could be. It was wrong. more infrastructure, more. Wasn't. Yeah, the, the temple building activity actually. Yeah, is an outgrowth of the Yadna system. Hmm. But that's uh, I think we can do a uh, separate we're podcast on this. Yeah, yeah, we're digressing. Hmm. Okay.
0: Okay, this is let me let me now get to my next question. Mm-hmm. Because this is absolutely fascinating, Sandeep. Thanks for bringing that world alive to us no in 2020. My pleasure. <laughs> in the, under the lockdown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now going back to Chanakya. Yeah. Um, now, according to him, acharyas had to be at the top of the hierarchy. Because mm-hmm. the colonized Indian mind? We may understand the importance of this system.
1: Uh, okay. A couple of nuances in this. Uh, all the pre-industrialized societies mm-hmm. had a hierarchy. Okay. Now, hierarchy in terms of uh, what you call dominance, social structures, Systems, practices, uh, traditions, all that, right? Now, when you say acharyas were at the topmost of the hierarchy, now you would, uh, uh, what were they? They were uh, like every minister has advisors. You could look at acharyas as something equivalent. I'm, I'm just giving you a very, very, very generalized, very, very broad kind of an analogy to this. So they would essentially guide the king in decision making, in making sure that the king doesn't become a despot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there is a beautiful... Moral there, compass to Moral compass, yes. Moral compass also. So and these acharyas uh, had to be above board. Okay, there is a beautiful uh, uh, a shloka, beautiful verse in uh, Mudra rakshasa based on uh, Chanakya's life. Uh, where it describes the lifestyle of Chanakya.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, he, I mean, it's a beautiful, uh, as a literary device also, it's beautiful. It is set through in the mouth of Chanakya's disciple. So, who shows uh, Chanakya's house to uh, Chandragupta Maurya, who's now become the emperor. He says, what can you do to such a man? Look at his house. He lives in a mud hut, which will fall any time. Ah. And what does he? What are his possessions? What is his wealth? Uh, dried cow dung, mm-hmm. which he uses to perform Agnihotra every day, three times a day. And a straw mat on which he sleeps or just on the bare uh, mud ground that he sleeps. One dand which he uses for walking and the clothes he wears. What can you do to such a man? So this was the real status of acharyas in those days. So you want to, the whole point is the most brilliant and the most learned person has to voluntarily adopt a life of poverty or a simple life at any rate. Or austerity. Or austerity. So Mm -hmm. if you want to, uh, you know, put them, when you say, you know, they were supposed to be at the top of the hierarchy, it is because they had earned it through this means.
0: So was he the first among equals when it came to acharyas, or was there a council of acharyas? How how was it arranged?
1: Okay, there are different you know categorizations. Very good question, actually. Um, different categorization. You had council of ministers. You could call them acharyas. Eventually, they would be called. You know, technical term is uh, mantri or amatya. Okay, acharyas were. Uh, typically like a spiritual guru who also, they did not interfere in the administration, but they ensured what you said, moral compass, Like you know, listen, you might be this emperor, this great guy which who everybody bows down to, but there is something above you, and that is not me, that is dharma. Hmm. So, during the coronation of any emperor, uh, at the time of coronation, uh, a wooden stick would be beaten uh, on the head of the king three times, saying, "Raja meaning king, you should always be a votary of dharma.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: should uphold it. It is beating him on the head that, you remember this. Yes. Always this. This is above you. Right. So, uh, when you talk about hierarchy, these nuances will be missed, is what I'm saying. Because the the notion of uh, uh, what you call ruling a subject, I mean, ruling a country or kingdom or whatever, was that Raja had to be a Praja Vatsala, meaning he had to earn the affection of people. So, when we talk about, you know, last mile delivery of governance, uh, you know, whatever systems, structures, design, and all these new terms, which I don't understand. Uh, essentially, where is that missing element that gives a direct one-to-one emotional bond between the highest person in the uh, in the country and to the last person? That bond is affection. To be loved more than yeah. feared. To earn Which it, you, yeah. You, you also have to earn it, yeah. You have to earn it. Yeah.
0: The reverse of, uh, I guess, the West Chanakya, which is Machiavelli. No, 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 you
1: can't even, no, no, you
0: can't, you can't yeah, make the comparison. He talks about, <laughs> fear, <laughs> you know, and talks about the public execution yeah, and yeah. says that, you know, the prince must yeah. be feared. Kind yeah, of just the opposite in many ways.
1: Isn't it? That, no, no, that is the worst analogy you can give. I mean, Machiavelli <laughs> is a, <laughs> a equivalent of Chanakya in the West or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I have offended you. No, you haven't offended me. Nothing offends <laughs> me.
0: <laughs> because uh, okay, because of this colonial system. Now that we're talking about the West, friends mm. are sort of thought of as only as priests. Mm. However, in Dharma, we see them as Acharyas, as Gurus, mm. uh, who impart mm. sh- uh, Vidya, Mm. Uh, like you said, you know, moral compass of, of, um, of mm. leaders and kings. Mm. Uh, this, um, what do you think uh, is their role in democracy?
1: I mean, it's a largely, uh, how do I say it? Times have largely changed. Uh, I don't know, if you ask me, an equivalent system of that should be there in every country and not just in India. Mm -hmm. Uh, The point is, when you say all these, you know, Acharyas, gurus or whatever, they were just a priestly uh, people, uh, at the minimum, it smacks of ignorance because you can't broad-base them and, you know, uh, uh, categorize them into these watertight compartments because broadly speaking, and if you are talking in terms of uh, Brahmins, right, at the top level, you can categorize them broadly into two uh, sections, divisions. One is the Vaidika Brahmanas and the other is the Laukika Brahmanas. Vaidika Brahmanas are what you call gurus and preceptors, those who uh, engage in, uh, you know, puja in temples. Vedic running. Vedic uh, running. and, guru and uh, officiate rituals and all that. The other are the laukika brahmanas. They engage in what is known as worldly or secular activity. Even uh, even teaching which consciously, where the teacher consciously uh, takes money for imparting knowledge, which is supposed to be a sin, traditionally. So, but even a teacher who is a brahmin, who takes money for imparting knowledge, is considered slightly lower in the run because he's polluting by... Bartering or selling knowledge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, then you have all these ministers who are also brahmins who uh, engage in administration, whatever. Uh, they, they are complete. See anything which takes you away from the path of spirituality is essentially considered inferior and slightly sinful okay. in the Indian lore, and they do not necessarily need to be brahmins as such. Let me also clarify
0: that. I understand. That was the Varana system, not as we understand it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I also want, um, you know, I'm curious. I, I, I keep bringing you back to 2020, but I think it'll just kind of uh, liven it up for a large section of our audience, which oh, are yeah, yeah, kind of in, in on. the same, not scholars like you, but, you know, in the same game hmm. hmm. like I am. Hmm. Is it is sort of anti-intellectualism in the present day? No, or, can, uh,
1: can you repeat or that? There's, there's a slight lag there, but,
0: Okay, you know this this sort of uh, accusation in in terms of you know there being an environment of anti-intellectualism. What you've spoken about right now is has been about intellectualism of that era and how it was organized to a certain extent, how it was acknowledged, respected, uh, you know, and and had a place in society and governance. Mm-hmm. In today's era, the the, the counter argument is that there is a anti-intellectualism. There is there is, a, there is a quality or a, or a commentary that says, you know, the eminences, whatever hmm. they may be. And it's not only in India, it's like a global phenomena, you know, hmm. where a reaction against this. How do you think Chanakya would have responded to this era of uh, anti intellectualism?
1: Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Quite a challenge. <laughs> Very smart. Okay. Uh, look what you call as intellectualism Hmm. is a very, 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 very recent phenomenon. Like I said, the the world, the pre-industrial era world, we have completely lost even the remote knowledge of the daily life of that world. Unless you go into that level of detail, you will just be scratching, you know, some superficial things. So there were no intellectuals, in the sense that we understand and use the word today. Okay, it was a highly, highly. Huh? There were scholars. There were scholars. There were uh, look, even in the West and India. Let's let's take it. Let's take the West today. Okay, what was the shortest route for someone becoming you know respectable or uh, powerful in the West? Robber barons. Right. What did you say? What was the shortest way to become powerful in the West? Mm-hmm. Powerful, respected and feared. Right. By becoming a robber baron. Yes. Okay. The king, yeah, the king would say, okay, good you know, don't, don't disturb this part of my country. You know, uh, I'll, I'll call you a baron or a duke or a count or an earl or whatever. You ensure that you take care of this and so that your people are in peace, don't loot them. And, you know, you give me services, send your army or whatever, your thugs if I want them in war or something. Right, right. right. You so you're up, aristocracy now. Aristocracy, <laughs> right. So this was, can... uh, this was the system. And even in the West, education, as in reading and writing and thinking,
0: hmm.
1: was the privilege and the preserve of the top of the top. Right. Even in the West. I mean, these are all. Uh, take this guy, for example. Uh, who was that fellow? Yeah. Famous essayist. What's his name? I used to read that in school, no? Uh, English guy, uh, Count, Viscount, somebody. Uh, I can't help you there. Uh, no, no. Uh, Francis Bacon. Bacon, Bacon. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So Francis Bacon was royalty, semi royalty. He was a Viscount. Mm-hmm. So these were the. Yeah. Titles Stop. of, yeah, total aristocracy. Education was close to the rest of the people. Mm-hmm. So there was no, you know, this prolifer. now intellectuals as a separate breed is a very, very recent phenomenon. It largely happened... So, Hello, what?
0: It's been democratized in a ah, sense.
1: It's been democratized. So post-industrial revolution is when all these things, uh, you know, began to emerge. So uh, if... Chanakya was alive and he saw all these people. Uh, Rather, let me put it, let me turn this question on its head, okay? The modern system, especially the post-industrial era, has ensured that no Chanakya's will ever be born. Why do you say that? Damn simple, yeah. Uh, Look at it. In the previous days, even in the last century, okay, you could somehow make an honest living. Today, you spend more than 60% of your day trying to make a living.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In various forms, you, know, you could be a freelance guy, you could be uh, a corporate uh, you know, worker, vice president, whatever, designation doesn't matter. The bottom line is you spend more than 60% of your day earning a living. And what happens when you grow old, when you're 60, 65? Think about the implications. I'm just leaving this question floating in the air. I mean, just like food for thought. This was never the case even 100 years back. Mm. And I've seen it when when I was growing up, used to go to my uh, village, different villages and all that. It was damn simple. Money as in currency, coins and notes. The notion of money as having some kind of a great importance did not even occur to people in the villages. They would say, okay, hey, listen, yeah, this time the harvest is, you know, very bad. So what I'll do is I'll give you 10 kgs of uh, ATA this time to you. And, you know, you can square it off three months later. The notion of, they would call it paisa, you know, paisa uh, meaning coin, a metal coin. It never had a big importance in our psyche and in our daily life. That that link is totally cut at the level of society, at the level of uh, uh, our psyche itself.
0: You know, my help comes from a small village in uh, Madhya Pradesh. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. chatting today, and I was asking him about how his family is holding up in the village. He lives in a small village, mm-hmm. and they've completely sealed the village mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. are existing on exactly what you're saying—the barter system. Yeah. Very self-sufficient. Yeah. Run out of tea and sugar. Yeah, there you is, go. Oh. But but in terms of food and everything else, hmm. they have hmm. up the system and it's working perfectly fine for for yeah. them. So, hmm. like in a post-COVID you, world, we may that, be revisiting these that, things again. Sorry, you we co- haven't
1: anticipated. Oh, no, you froze uh, a little. I, can you repeat? Oh,
0: I said uh, I said in a post-COVID world, hmm. we may be revisiting these concepts again. <laughs> in a way that we never thought we would because, you know, going by just hi- talking to him, hmm. he's completely secure in how his family is and, you know, how they're dealing with the present circumstances hmm. for that tea and sugar.
1: Yeah, there you go. See, the, the notion of stress is a modern invention, yeah. Uh, in the sense that we urban people understand it. Hmm. That, you know, COVID is a lockdown, there's you know, a stress and all that. Uh, we used to be locked on when I was growing up. This lockdown was uh, almost perpetual on a daily basis. You finish your stuff and yeah. Where? Here yeah, only, Bangalore. Where was the lockdown a perpetual thing? Oh no, what I'm saying <laughs> is that what we call today as a lockdown was a way of life. Oh, that, okay. Like what you call, itna, we live a life of bhagdoot. What you call bhagdoot, right? That's true. That's yeah. true. So that <laughs> is why like we. That is like why are feeling <laughs> imprisoned. That's all.
0: Agree. Agree. Thank God for the internet, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I I come back to uh, uh, the, uh, the conversion uh, and uh, those kind of activities which did die in uh, Chanakya's time, uh, uh, but but do in the present era. Uh, you know, we do have a situation wherein we see a lot of conversion, and uh, you know, a lot of it, most of it, actually, is not a matter of conscience. Uh, if it is, there's uh, no problem with that. Uh, a lot of it is through bribery, through coercive, through misleading, all of those things. Mm. Now, Chanakya, like you told us earlier, didn't have to really deal with this aspect of society because mm. predated these yeah. fits, except for Buddhism. Yeah. How do you think you would have dealt with it today?
1: Look, uh, okay, damn simple. There are multiple ways I can answer this, but uh, fantastic questions, actually. The point is, he ensured that the top levels of bureaucracy, administration uh, were almost ruthless in their loyalty to the country. Hmm. Right? And they How that. Uh, and they had to pass through some seven or nine tests before they could be uh, even kind of uh, considered for appointments. And out of these seven or nine tests, even if they failed three, it will still be selected, but at a very, very junior level. Mm-hmm. Because the higher you go and the more uh, evil you are, the, your potential to cause damages, damage to the country with social fabric, religious uh, harmony, your potential to cause damage to that grows exponentially. No. So these conversions, look at the period from 2004 and 2014 the top levels of your bureaucracy and administration were completely compromised. It was a government by NGOs. Foreign-funded NGOs. Foreign-funded NGOs. In those so, they were, so, you put such people, you know, they were not even answerable to Mr. Manmohan Singh.
0: Hmm.
1: He was a prime minister of this country, for God's sake. Wow. So, if... Look at the amount of damage that they've caused. It's everywhere, right? I mean, we don't have to... Uh, to I mean, it's visible everywhere. It's consequences. Mm. I mean, we are suffering. So, Kautilya would... He had preempted all this. Mm. One, and uh, two, uh, it was a very well-oiled uh, system. Now, uh, you mentioned about... Uh, uh, I think I forgot uh, answering a previous question about, you know how he would deal with spiritual people and all that, right? So th- I'll link it to this one here. Is that he would have uh, polis in our terminology to regularly monitor sadhus and from who would come from neighboring uh, states. That is uh, outside the Magadha kingdom. And there is a word in Hindi which you're familiar with, Pashandu. Right? So what is the meaning of Pashandi? Pashandi is a dongi sannyasi. He's a fake baba in our terms, right? Oh, Pakhandi. Ah, uh, Pakhandi. Yeah, it, it used to be called Pashanda, that's a technical term in Sanskrit, so you call it Pakhandi. So bakhandi. fake babas and all these sannyasis. He would monitor even their activities because they would more than, uh, there was a high degree of possibility that they would also be spies in disguise.
0: So, but in this era, then it would be called religious intolerance, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, but we have allowed that discourse to poison us. It's our fault, as simple as that. You know, It
0: would, it would be very clearly, we listen to uh, like some sort of majoritarian
1: um, kind look, of... Look, all power comes from how you can, not just survival, how you can hold your own. What happens in a school, schoolyard, right? You know, bully versus bully. It's a universal principle, yeah, everywhere.
0: True. What are the similarities do you find? Uh, actually, before I ask that question, I want to go back to your previous question because I think answer, because I think that's very significant because uh, we f- often find this in our times at least, where the national identity or being Bharatiya or being Indian, whatever you want to call it... Mm subservient to uh, sometimes a linguistic identity, sometimes a regional identity. Very often, we're seeing it even this, in this COVID era, a religious identity where uh, you know, you feel the need that this assertion of a certain group identity mm. is more important than the nation. Now he, from what you've told us, did administer a very diverse country. Mm. We're probably even more diverse now. Mm. How do you think he was able to even okay the exams are well and good. We have a civil services exam here mm. also. Mm. But how do you inculcate a strong national identity in, in the individual, which overpowers these other other kind of special interests that exist amongst all of us? The Americans have done it with the big American dream and all etc. Yeah, yeah. mm. etc. Et cetera, et cetera, the greatest country in the world and Hollywood yeah, yeah. Mm. U.S. American
1: exceptionalism it? and all that. Exactly. How are we going to do this? To survive? Well, yeah, uh, what happened, unfortunately, uh, in independence era, the amount of post-independence era, the amount of damage that we have caused to our own identity has been far greater and on a very larger scale than anything that happened in the last, in the preceding 800 years. Why do you say that? That is because of what you call mental and psychological colonization on the part of the ruling class. Because colonialism technically was over in forty-seven. Yeah, but the deep-rooted the psychological roots were there, no? So when that psychology, when those roots translated into government policies, hmm. this is what happens. Hmm. The, the, the so called so much, you know, the whatever you want to call it, uh, caste system, which was so abused and whatever it is, right? There was what you call caste. I won't use that word. There was varna, but there was no casteism. Yes. Got it? There was no ism I'm to that. The Varna's also. Ah, Yeah, there was a lot of mobility. There was a there lot was mobility. of mobility. Yeah. Social mobility, which we, have, even today, yeah, which we have hardened into kind of the site. Ah hardened, because on the one hand, you say you're secular. You say that, on the other hand, you have, why do you create cash vote banks then? If you're beyond caste, if you have transcended caste, why do, you, why do you appeal, you know, uh, for votes from specific caste groups, caste leaders? So, unless you didn't, look, Education was a big failure after, you know, decolonizing Indian education. And I keep repeating this on different forums. That was a biggest, biggest, biggest uh, failure uh, after we attained independence. And Mm. no sub-identity, sub-group identity, group identity, linguistic identity. None of them should take precedence over national and cultural identity, which is undeniably Hindu, even Puri. Hindu is yes. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call it, Hindu Rashtra, whatever. If that is the meaning of Hindu Rashtra, so be it. Hmm.
0: So then, I mean, what I've learned from our discussion so far is that Chanakya in his era also was governing a very, uh, it, wasn't homo- it wasn't homogenous, the popular- right, No, no, no with at all. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that's sort of an accusation that is often levied Hmm. about uh, Atita in that sense. Hmm. But uh, in today's era, what are the similarities and the challenges that you find between Chanakya's time and today?
1: Uh, So, well, I mean, as far as Chanakya's time was concerned, we didn't have uh, the twin colonizations of Islam and uh, British rule. That was largely absent because those two religions uh, are fundamentally uh, what you call uh, opposed to Hinduism. In Chanakya's time, every single panth and sect that emerged from this soil are all Hindu. You want to call it Buddhism, Jainism, Shakta, Vaishnava, Shaiva, whatever you want to call it, all of them emerged from this soil and so they do not share, uh, and so they share a lot of commonalities with homegrown religions, so to say. Both of these faiths, Islam and Christianity, essentially are predatory religions, because both of them thrive on numbers for their growth and sustenance. Hmm. Otherwise, why do you need conversions? Why do you need conversions? in what you call conversions within Hindu sects, across Hindu sects, is still okay, because for a simple reason, this kind of conversion would happen at the level of high intellectuals. Like if Mandan Mishra, uh, I won't use the word accepted, but for convenience, I'll use the word accepted. When Mandan Mishra accepted Advaita, it was a result of a scholarly and highly intellectualized philosophical debate. debate. Yeah. And which means that you genuinely... Which his wife won eventually for hmm. him. Hmm. So, which genuinely...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what mind. happened. Never mind. No, oh, no, that's what happened. He lost, but, he the, wife, but the wife came in and, yeah. to, and threw the kind of... Uh, the yeah, t-
1: gauntlet of that. The, in the tail, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, which means that you are out of a sense of deep integrity. Mm. You accept philosophical defeat, which means that you you are willing to let go of your ego, without which, which is the premise of all our uh, Vedanta, it could be Bhagavad Gita, anything that has grown here. This is the exact opposite, if not the, uh, uh, what you call, uh, enemy of these two predatory faiths. Why do you need numbers to grow here? Okay, but that's conversion. Okay, that then. is conversion. So Kautilya did not have to deal with this. He didn't have to deal with. He didn't this. have to deal with this. No. So in that sense, it was a homogeneous society. And while the Buddhists were also missionaries, they were they had also come from you know uh, they had become Buddhists after becoming Hindus, right? They were Hindus first, and then they became Buddhists. Oh, right. But that that's the same for other faiths also. No, it's it? not the same. No, I, they, they were Hindus before they became Christians and Muslims. They did not become Hindu. They did not become Christians out of out of a philosophical debate. Mm-hmm. Christian conversion rests on three or four different, I mean, hundreds of tactics. Correct. Right. They'll say, if, if, you know, the, if the opposition is too strong, they'll say, okay, there's no difference between Christ and Krishna. So what you're doing, you're, you're, it's fraud. Basically, you're cheating the other person mm-hmm. at a very fundamental level. Hmm. Or you offer money. What is that? It means you're buying people. Hmm. Or the last method is violence. You convert or I'll kill you. Right? There's a difference, is antar hai. So, Kautilya didn't live in this society. But had he been around at the time of uh, Islamic invasions, he wouldn't have, that is a reason he, he advocated for a strong central leadership, like like the Mauryan Empire, a mm-hmm. strong center with a harmonious federation of different, uh, you know, customs, societies, uh, groups, units, sects. Who stood up to this invasion? Up to this as a one, yeah. one single unit. Yes. Does that answer your question?
0: It does to a certain extent. I am um, I think, I mean, some of the questions I've asked previously also, which has been, you know, in terms of our national identity, how mm-hmm. we have changed it. Yeah. And, you know, then, of course, comes capitalism, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you have viewed our capitalistic nature? Although I think it's going to change pro-COVID, or at least I hope so.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so, too. I hope so, too, totally. I think
0: there's going to be some change. Yeah, yeah. How would he have... Um, you viewed this desire for profit, profit, and uh, you know, seeing no end to that profit and mm. going to any extent for it. Mm. Uh, you have oh, here's one interesting one. Mm. How have viewed crony
1: capitalism? Oh, okay. So I'll get to crony capitalism <laughs> later. Let's look at capitalism. <laughs> look, capitalism, as we understand it, as an economic uh, sub-unit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, just give me a second. Huh? And close this. There's a lot of wind coming. once no.
0: Adwait. Uh, Hello. Yeah. yeah. You know when Sandeep is talking, don't interrupt him because sometimes he goes on to talk for twenty minutes on a with a great response. Okay. With what? With the response. Don't interrupt him. Uh, sorry. What? Keep your no no no. I'm just talking to Advaita. So, just whatever thought comes to you, just save it, let him complete, and then uh, put your question. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. To let just keep talking for 20 minutes. I don't know how that makes for an audience. But...
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: the, the floor is yours.
1: Yeah. So, the notion of capitalism again uh, roughly dates to around uh, the industrial era. Because capital, until then, was completely controlled uh, in the royal person, in the king, monarch, whatever. I mean, he was the ultimate guy who had the keys to the treasury, although he had ministers, you know, finance ministers, whoever it is. But they were just notional, nominal uh, guys. Or at any rate, it was a rule of oligarchs with a central monarch who had the power to, you know, put you to death at will so moving away from the system when you uh, capitalism and democracy cannot be separated mm. right because democracy is decentralization that is you know giving political power to the last person whatever including means of production technically uh, 2024 advaita can become the pm of india not likely, but thank you. Uh, but yeah, so, it, the possibility exists. In right? mm. so, a democracy. Uh, right. So, and how is such a system uh, supposed to, you know, uh, work properly, smoothly, harmoniously with a supporting uh, economic system, which is when capitalism came in. Right. So, again, I mean, we know the history of capitalism. Eventually, it became a, a bunch of oligarchy, and then it, Uh, that also became democratized. Anybody could become, say, Azim Premji or Bill Gates or whatever. I mean, hundreds of examples. So, in the sense that private individuals can aspire to and become economic powers by their own right. Right? This system was alien to Kautilya's period. So, uh, again, this lies in the realm of uh, hypothesis. And economics, business, money-making, you know, whatever, running an economy, essentially was a very, very specialized kind of activity and skill, which was the, almost the 100% domain of what are known as the vaniks or the vaishyas. Hmm. The word baniya comes from vanik, vanija, meaning business, money. So... It was almost an exclusive preserve of these people. And even today, we see all these people, you know, Lakshmi mittal all these great success stories. Why? This is in our DNA. This is in our DNA. And uh, although the cap- capitalism, as we understand it, did not exist in that time, the Indian business community is unparalleled in its genius for raising capital. They can raise capital out of thin air. I think you must have seen Mr. Murti's talks, some of his talks where he mentions, you know, this ability using uh, uh, what can be called as uh, community guilds mm. in uh, Tamil Nadu, especially, mm. uh, where, you know, a 17-year-old boy is propped up by the entire community to, and he goes on to found a huge bank, which is, I think, the 15th largest bank in Asia or something, it's a private bank. Hundreds of such examples, yeah, the same thing is in the, you know, uh, applicable to Marwadis, Gujaratis, what you call the business community here.
0: No, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm running a Jantara Rasoi, a community kitchen. Oh, uh, ah, see, yeah. The first, it's entirely community funded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're raising money for it, so, you yeah. know. So how does it, yeah.
1: So it's, we understood, we understand Indian business yeah. community understands the power of the third operation in arithmetic, multiplication.
0: Fascinating, really. Didn't think of it in
1: these terms at all.
0: You yeah. know? So, and and you know, um, since we discussed the U.S. Shastra, and you were kind enough to point out that I haven't read it.
1: But 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 that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, let me complete my thought. Actually, sorry. Uh, if Kautilya was there in today's capitalism, he wouldn't have allowed this this kind of capitalism to develop in the first place. Now you have the four Purusharthas, right? It would go against everything that is uh, symbolized in the four Purusharthas. The first Purushartha is Dharma. The second is Artha. The third is Kama. Fourth is Moksha. You leave out Moksha. The second Purushartha is Artha, right? Mm. Money making, business, whatever it is. On to the left, to its left is Dharma. Meaning, it has to fall within the Bracket of dharma and on the other side, moksha. So whatever money-making you do Mm. should strictly fall within these two boundaries. Interesting. So because you see all these, I mean, uh, not to offend anybody because everybody seems to uh, be quick at taking offense nowadays. Uh, On a general point, the one thing uh, that our dharma shastras uh, uh, strictly forbid and strictly look for is this that more than the wealth that you've earned, let's look at uh, take the case of some random of these huge uh, uh, funds, right? Private equity funds, all these uh, venture capital, huge, massive billion dollars, they keep saying, you know now we have, well, all these funds, right? Mm. Nobody asked them how they made that kind of money. Right. Nobody questions that. And on this point, uh, I don't know if you have uh, watched this beautiful uh, series on, I think, Netflix, Mac Mafia. No, I haven't. Right. I'm watching so, that
0: right now.
1: Yeah, Mac Mafia is a good uh, series. Only one season is the, over now. It's actually okay. based on a beautiful book uh, by the same name. It's based on the okay. book. So okay. Watch it. Watch it and check out the links between uh, mafia money getting into these equity funds. Into the? Into all these uh, super-rich uh, equity funds. Oh, yeah, right. Whatever funds, not just equity.
0: New, new, new form of laundering, I guess. Yeah, yeah.
1: Any laundering. This, this is how he would have regarded uh, capital.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay.
0: So this comes now to the important question for me, at least. Which copy of the Arthashastra is authentic? Mm. Didn't know they got, got this complicated, and which one would you recommend? <laughs> because,
1: no, uh, uh, several, yeah, several books actually. Uh, you re- watch my interview on uh, with uh, Dr. Vivedi on the Chanakya series. Okay, uh, he gives a complete list, but uh, generally, uh, a basic introduction and a faith very, very faithful uh, translation is uh, Arthashastra translation by uh, Dr. R. Shama Shastra. Shama? Shama Shastri.
0: And it's accessible. It's very accessible. It's widely
1: available. available. Oh, great.
0: Thank you for that. And uh, really my final question is, Hmm. uh, you have said that every Hindu child Hmm. may to memorize the verses in Hmm. Mudraakshasa brings out Chanakya's character so powerfully. Hmm. Please explain how it is relevant today.
1: Yeah, I already explained, you know, that uh, uh, when I told you, remember, that, you know, this Chanakya's disciple, he takes Chandragupta Maurya and shows uh, his uh, mud hut and his lifestyle. So that that is the entire meaning of that uh, verse.
0: Hmm.
1: So I think this is uh, what every kid also, these are the values every child needs to be uh, inculcated into every child is what I meant by that. I had tweeted that randomly and people just picked it up. So, <laughs> so that, who, do you that think,
0: who do you think would be Chanakya's favorite politician today?
1: Well, he creates politicians, so he won't yeah, have but any favorite. Who would he,
0: would he say that, oh, this, this, this person is really following my lead and, and has read my books and it's,
1: you know? Well, I mean, you can, okay, if you want me to say the names, uh, I mean, I have no hesitation in saying it could huh. be when uh, Narendra Modi or Amit Shah. Hundreds of people are there like that. Yeah. But okay. Okay. So, still but, in the realm of hypothesis.
0: But you see, but you see a glimpse of some of the things that he has
1: spoken of, showing yeah. in the decision making and. Yeah, the, the most important. Yeah, fantastic. The point with Chanakya, and uh, this is a reason why great, great question. In fact. Thank um, you. This is a reason why Westerners who read Arthashastra, who read Chanakya they equated him with that uh, scoundrel, Maikhaveli. Okay, there is a reason. I mean, not harsh words. So, no. <laughs> a, because, because they only looked at the manner in which Kautilya completely dismantled the, Danaman, the Danandas empire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, there is no dirty trick he did not use in order to bring down the empire of the Nandas. Because they were fundamentally acting for themselves, for their own lineage, for their own family, at the expense of the country. Sounds familiar. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I didn't take any names.
1: Neither did I. Okay. And they had to go. So, it's damn simple, yeah? Look, you can't be this complete uh, uh, scumbag and then when the other person who fights you uses the same uh, methods and techniques that you have perfected against you, you can't play the victim then. You can't call him, you know, he's using all these dirty tricks to bring me down. It doesn't work like that. If you had been honest, if you had been proper, Mm. if you had integrity, all these nice things, there would have no, there would have been no reason to even fight you. Mm,
0: mm. So so my next question, uh, it's like a rapid fire, I know, but I, I'm very curious, mm. is, you know, the art of war, Sanzu, mm. Tanakya, and... Mm-hmm. and yeah, so yeah. What, what's your assessment, what's your uh, read on these three names, you know, which are bandied about around the world as being kind of these brilliant minds when it comes
1: to... Yeah, actually, this art of war by Sun Tzu, right? It's it's quite overrated, and it became popular in the last twenty or twenty-five years. Before that, in when I was in college and all that, these books were you know vaguely heard. And there's a reason it became popular because of China's rise. Correct. In the world community or whatever. No. Sure. Okay, so. Post COVID, we're not that sure, but we're not that sure. Yeah, so far. So, among all these three books, they, you can't compare any of them with uh, Arthashastra. For a simple reason, because Arthashastra is a philosophy. And it is, uh, uh, you know, the entire essence of Arthashastra is Tasma Shastram Idam Indriya Nigraha or Jaya, meaning the, the essence of. Oh, this entire Arthashastra is self-restraint
0: hmm. hmm.
1: on the part of who? On the part of the ruler. So you have heard of the famous verse, right? Dharmasy Mulam Martha Ratasy Mulam rajyam, Mulam Indriya The root of Rajasya Mulam, the root of a kingdom or an empire, is the victory over your senses. So this is the entire essence of Arthashastra. Where is this lostliness? Where is Sun Tzu? Where is Machiavelli? There's no comparison.
0: Yeah. So I think I think basically, I mean, Chanakya uh, would have told Donald Trump not to be on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think on... Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, right? He would have said, get off Twitter now. <laughs> It's been wonderful uh, speaking with you. It's certainly uh, in which I have personally learned a lot and I've been triggered to read uh, on him. I have read, I'll say, I admit it, I have read Machiavelli. Okay. I have uh, read Sanzu and you're absolutely right. It comes in very easy, accessible, little booklets, pretty little booklets, I might say. Uh, Art of War
1: booklets with lovely Yeah, a lot of calligraphy and all that. Yes, right? exactly. So they're
0: very attractive.
1: Gold, yeah, gold-lettered, embroidered, uh, red binding. Yes.
0: yes, so they're very attractive to own.
1: Yeah.
0: As usual, we haven't quite done enough for mm. our, um, you know, philosophy, our history, mm-hmm. things. So I'm very, very inspired by this conversation. And thank you. Uh, thank you so much for sparing
1: the time. Thank you. Thank you for having this conversation. And making it so accessible. I really enjoyed it. hmm
0: and uh, I look forward to chatting with you again.
1: Same here. Thank you. Thank you. you don't have to be so formal by the way. <laughs> yeah, okay. Bye. 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 Okay, I'm stopping the recording.